Come on, give God a shout of praise. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, guys. That's awesome. You guys did good. I think he's got a little, Caleb's got a little preach in him, I think, Caleb. I love it. Man, good to see a full house on a cold, wet January day. I'm glad you all showed up. Amen? You know, I get to worship. I'm like, I love Facebook Live. I don't comment on it because I'm preparing, but I can just sit there and listen to the whole worship set and enjoy it, watch it. It's so cool with the technology today, what God does. And what a blessing is we want to welcome everybody online. I know some are traveling and others uh, watch online. We'd love to invite you. I'm getting a lot of people telling me, they'll run into me, hey, I, your services are awesome. I go, really? I'm like, okay, I think I recognize you. But yeah, I don't say that to them, you know. And they'll say, well, I watch online pretty regularly. I said, oh, okay. They said, now, I never comment, so they really don't know I'm on there. <laughs> like a secret uh, Facebook Christian, I guess. But uh, I said, hey, just keep on keeping on, brother. Someday you'll get the courage to say, hey, I'm here, right? <laughs> because relationship is critical to everything. Relationship, number one, with God. Relationship with our family and one another. And I'm so fired up <clears throat> about the vision. You know, when God gives you a vision each year, it's incremental what he's building on. You know, when you go all the way back to 2017 about clarity and growth, and each year it just it grows. Then I look at this year, it's more than incremental. It's setting the stage up for decades. It's really setting the stage up for lifetimes and for generations. Somebody say multi-generation. Say multi-generational favor. And that's what God's doing. I look around, I see our young adults, I see our youth, I see... Uh, our seniors and all the in-betweens. And it's such a cool feeling that when I sit here and see the multiple generations, you know, like the Garrisons now, they're celebrating their third generation, not their third, but third generation of the church with those guys, Krista, and then their little baby. And, and now she's getting another one in the cooker there. And there's others, you know, we baptized, uh, uh, we already dedicated her. I'm rambling now, it's okay. But I look around, I see different families, and you already have your children, and some of your children have had children, and I look at the multi-generational blessing, and I want you to realize that that is the favor of God, and God wants to accelerate in you the understanding of what he's doing. You see, it's tough sometimes to discover our destiny, but that's really what it's about. It's not about fulfilling your destiny. Your, your destiny on this earth will not be fulfilled until you take your last breath and you enter the kingdom of God, into heaven, I mean. Destiny, derek, means roadway or pathway in the Hebrew. And every roadway or pathway, right, it has a purpose. It's going somewhere, but it has a beginning, and then it has a journey in between, and then it has an arrival point, a destination. Now, the key is it's cool if we make it to our destination, to heaven, and we show forth the presence and glory of God, but how sad it would be to win the whole world but lose your own children or lose your own legacy. And we think about legacy and we think about the purpose and plan God has for us as we begin to move into this year and we understand that this is, what, a year of invitation. Somebody say invitation and expansion to experience what a supernatural lifestyle that establishes a legendary legacy for others. Now, I'm going to go into a few of the key scriptures I want you to hold on to that God has birthed in this to me, my spirit, and to you. And the number one key scripture is Psalm 22, verses 30 and 31. It says, Poster posterity, which is seed, will serve him, Future generations will be told about the Lord, and they will proclaim his righteousness, declaring, yet to a people who have not been born, he has done it. I, I prefer the uh, NLT, the uh, New Living Translation. It says, our children will also serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything he has done. 
And when we talk about legendary, what's that mean? Unforgettable, right? Always remembered. And we begin to talk about a legendary legacy. What is it talking about? You and I have the ability, the anointing to tap into our righteousness in God and our legacy in Father Abraham, who God set up for this purpose, that throughout all of his generations, they would be blessed. And you and I tap into that, but what's so cool, we can multiply it and accelerate it beyond ourselves, and what we do right now can determine the next two or three generations that that are affected by you and I being on planet Earth. Can anybody say amen to that? Now, that's cool, but it's a massive responsibility. It's a massive responsibility. I love what Psalm 105 says about verse 7. Says his justice is seen throughout the land. He always stands by his covenant. The the uh, the commitment he made to a thousand generations. Verse nine. This is the covenant that he made with Abraham, an oath that he swore to Isaac, that his covenant would be never it would be ever ending. It would never end. And then let me read this one to you. Uh, Psalm sixty six, verse five out of the New Living Translation, says, come and see. Somebody say, come and see. And as I shared with a lot of you newer folks, that's what we were known as the first seven years or so as a church. People say, well, what's a Bethel? What's a Harvest? What, what is that church? Because we're not really, non, we're not denominational, really interdenominational. A lot of you people have come from all different various denominations, and some have never been in church. So we're not one particular. We are Christians, right? We are children of God. And, and we are a family of God, and we are his church, just like other churches make up his church. But they would say, we are the come and see church. And it just, the people say, well, what do we tell people? Just tell them you're the come and see church. And, and people would just come and see. They'd see why people were witnessing in grocery stores and restaurants and on the streets and why people were growing in their families and in the blessing. Come and see what our God has done, what awesome miracles he performs for his people. God performs awesome miracles for you and I, and he already has those staged. I talked to you about that a little bit a week or so ago, that whenever we are a people of faith, faith, now faith is the substance hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? And we began to look at now faith. Faith is the language of God. It's the vehicle of God to go into your future, to pull your future into your now, to bring it from hope, to bring it into reality, to bring it in from the unseen to the seen. And as we begin to think about that, I want you now to think about that other than in a different light of, well, I want to bring a new career, a new business, a new income, right, a new home, whatever that might be, a new skill set or whatever. I want you to think about now using your faith to begin to step into the future and access the promises of God for your children and your children's children. Well, I don't know, preacher, if that's scripture. Well, you never read about Abraham. God said, you will have your family and children's and generations will be blessed as the stars are in the sky. Anybody know there's a few stars in the sky? And we've been engrafted into that. <clears throat> so today, I'm going to begin a series called Legendary Legacy. Legendary Legacy for the next few weeks. And the outcome that God desires for us to have or for us to accomplish with this is that uh, you and I experience in 2024 beyond what's happening now because the vision God's given us will be a blessing this year, expansion and all that. But we will begin to experience now the sensation, the feeling, the confidence, the assurance, the faith to know what God's working on in our future. You say, well, how does that work for us? Well, the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we know in God there is no time because he is alpha, the beginning, omega, and the ending. And it really means omega, there's a never ending. And in alpha, there's never been a beginning. He just always was and is. And we said, well, how does that happen? We don't understand it because he gave time to you and I as a tool. It's a tool to measure, to process, to, to live by. Now, there's two kinds of time in the Bible. There's chronological, chronos time in the Greek, and that's chronological, and that seconds turn into minutes, minutes, hours, days, and so on. And then there's charis, or charis time, charis time, and that's seasonal time. That's 
windows within the chronos, right? And so we operate in not only chronological time, just like a chronological order, but we operate in seasons. Somebody say seasons. So many times we're wanting to be in a season in our life. We finally get there and we think it's going to be there forever. No, God is always moving. You're always moving in God. Actually, the molecules in the chair are moving. There's nothing on this planet not moving. If you really look at the science of it, everything's always moving. The words I'm speaking now, when they go out into the atmosphere, they go out into an infinity, as Buzz Lightyear would say, infinity and beyond. The words we speak, the sounds that are made continue to vibrate forever. Isn't that amazing? I mean, in this room right now is DirecTV, Dish, you know, Fubo, whatever you watch, you know, FM, XM Radio. If you have the right receiver, it doesn't appear when you turn it on. It's here. So we need to understand the authority and the power we have as we get a revelation of how we can go forth and we can begin to set up our children and our children's children. Can anybody say amen to that? You may say, well, I don't have any children, don't want any children. Well, I'm going to talk about that in a minute because you've been called to, pro, uh, re, uh, was it, procreate? Not just natural. Everybody's not called necessarily to do natural, but we're all ca- uh, called to procreate spiritual sons and daughters. Hmm. So as we begin to get into this next few weeks, I believe it's going to be a great blessing to you. Can somebody say amen? amen. <clears throat> so God want, here's what God wants us to know today. God wants us to know that You and I are to live by faith to show the children, to show our children the power of God to establish a legacy. Somebody say legacy. Legacy of faith. Now, something I've noticed throughout the Bible, let me give you a little testimony of myself. Whenever I was born, I was the last, my my dad's first wife died when she was 31 years of age. She had five children. He married my mom who was younger than him, but she helped finish raising his kids and had four children by him. He died of lung cancer when he was 51 from Cresso Railroad, all that. So anyway, whenever my mom was in West Virginia across the border of Kentucky there at Williamson Hospital delivering me on New Year's Eve, my, like an uncle, but my brother-in-law Don was in Huntington, West Virginia with my dad. They were doing lung surgery, and back then in 62, you imagine what they were doing, just cut them open. And whenever Don called my mother after she came out of labor with me, he talked about me, okay, and he said, she said, well, Don, how about marrying? What's going on? He said, well, Ruby, I'm sorry, there's no hope. They gave him three months to live. Now, what's crazy about that, my mom still had two of his, well, one of his children in high school, and she had us four. I was three, I was born, my brother, four years old, one sister, seven and one, nine or 10, and then a high school student, she had an eighth-grade education because back then where she grew up, you get, you, once you got into, as a freshman high school, you, when we were poor and they were poor, she would go serve other relatives and stuff and work for the family to bring money back to feed her mom and dad and family and help them. And, and, and they would hire her out and she'd stay a whole week somewhere as a teenager, as 13, 14, and take care of someone else's house and kids and then come home. So she had to quit school and all that. But here's the power of generations, and here's the power of favor and blessing. You know, Tony, my dad wasn't saved. He was turned off from church. His mom and dad and brothers and them were ultra-religious, and I'm going to say what group they were part of. It's a known group, but it was a Christian group, but they were ultra-religious and very dogmatic, and they didn't have a lot of grace or passion or anything like that, and they didn't understand how you help a son that his wife died, and now he's got these kids and all that. He was just turned off to God. But whenever he came down with cancer and they gave him three months to live, mom brought me home and, and he's there. My older sister, May, was Pentecostal Christian and she kept witnessing to dad and he said, okay, I want to get saved. And so he gave his life to the Lord the first couple of weeks he came home and he got baptized, which they recommended don't do that, but he did it anyway. And I can only imagine, now here's the power, oh man, here's the power. And this is something God branded in me years and years ago. Said, son, I remember my grandma Mint, who was like Holy Ghost Nazarene, you know, spirit-filled Nazarene. She's something else. 
And she's the one, remember, would have the little one-room schoolhouse in Turkey Creek on Calf Creek, and all the kids would come on Sunday, and she'd have, you know, dozens and dozens of kids every Sunday, and she was the only church they had. And she prayed, and every so often she could get an evangelist coming through to speak to them on a Sunday. And so she said, I prayed for years and years and years. God, I've got all these children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great. Give me a preacher. Just give me a preacher. Little did she know that I would become the first preacher in all of our generations and family at that time, a pastor. And then my older brother, shortly after that, became a pastor. And we planted him in Inez in Eastern Kentucky. But anyway, so we're sitting, I just imagine my dad. Now, let's go back. How did that happen? Well, my grandma had been faithful to God, and she wanted a pastor. Not just an answer. She wanted a pastor in the family. So God gave her two. But isn't it interesting, Katie, which two? I mean, my grandma, I think, had nine or ten kids. Nine, I think nine. My mom was the youngest. And I can imagine they said that they had me in a little Betsy Ross bread basket at the time. They couldn't afford a thing, you know, by the bed. And I would stay in there in the bedroom with dad and mom. And then my, little, my older brother, four, were running around. I can imagine my dad laying there, just got saved, just got baptized, knows he's going to go meet God in a few months. <clears throat> I can only imagine the prayers he prayed over me and my brother. He had two older sons. They didn't become preachers. Cousins, they didn't become preachers. But can you imagine the power of the revelation that you and I can tap into, he didn't have. He was just out of his heart, probably weeping. I can only imagine the prayers. Mom said he'd just be holding me and singing over me. I can only imagine the prayers that my dad, knowing he's going to go off into eternity, wishing he had served God his whole life, but didn't because of people. You do know people are goofy, right? Even though you love them, they're goofy. You're goofy, I'm goofy, we're all goofy. But the power of a sincere prayer is always heard by God. And he just learned that he had the prayer of faith to be saved. You know, baby Christians, it don't matter if they're 60 or 6. That's who you want to pray for to get healed. That's who you want to pray for to get a breakthrough in your life. Because they don't, they just say, hey, God saved me. He can do anything. And I can only imagine the prayers that God had prayed over him. And you heard the story of me totaling three cars and partying out two cars and all this stuff. I would have been dead 20 times if there wasn't these prayers from my grandmother and my father and my mother over me and my brother was just like me that it initiated. Somebody say it initiated. The promises of God to fulfill a legacy of children that were not yet born from grandma and children who had just been born through my mom and dad to become pastors and set up and many, many souls have come to the kingdom of God because of my brother and I and what we've done and now each of our sons minister, uh, two of our sons do minister. And so think about the power of generations. Think of the power of a legendary legacy. What's legendary mean? Unforgettable. Un legends are unforgettable. But when we look at legacy and we think about that, I want to dive into that for a few moments today. As we begin to tap into it, as I mentioned a few moments ago, if you've ever noticed that a lot of times God speaks in threes and especially do, doing with, to deal with generational blessings. He spoke of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so on. Then he would go Joseph, and da-da-da-da. Then he'd go, you know, Saul, David, and then he would go Solomon. So he, speak, he, would speak, he speaks a lot in generational blessings because in him there is no time. And we see that the Lord declared over Abraham that he would be the father of many nations, and he would have children as the sands of the sea and the stars in the sky. And the key is he told him, you must live by faith. By faith, Abraham, you have this. And the Bible talks about Abraham going out and just looking at the sky and the stars. Can you imagine? He was believing for his own son, his own child, and he was 100 and Sarah was 99, and God did an amazing miracle there, and they had Joseph. And you think about that, but what's crazy, God asked him to take Joseph, right, to, I mean Isaac, I'm sorry, to take Isaac to Mount Moriah, which means place of worship, 
and sacrifice him. You see, sacrificing children was a normal thing in that time with different pagan religions. And Abraham, I'm sure he couldn't wrap his mind around it, but he was willing. Remember, he went up Mount Moriah and he had Isaac and Isaac lay down and he's a young man at this time, teenager or whatever, and he straps him down and he's ready to drive the stake. You've seen the movies, right? It's really true. He's ready to drive the knife to his heart and, and God said, look up, Abraham. And there in the thickets was a beautiful, perfect ram. Use that ram for sacrifice. God was testing his heart. And what I want you to understand is that you are people of legendary legacy. And I want you to understand no matter what the sacrifice is, if you'll trust God, if you'll be obedient, he will deliver, he will set free, he will multiply. I was the least anyone ever thought would be a preacher. Goodness sakes. They were hoping I'd live till I was 21, let alone get saved. And that's true. I mean, that's just true. But, but God, and but grandma meant and her prayers and my mom and dad and I'm sure mom wasn't concerned about no pastor. She's thinking about how my there's no welfare in 1962 when I was born. Yeah, a little social security and that's it. How am I gonna feed these kids? But God took care of her and brought us through, and she has a great family legacy. Now, in that, no matter what God asked us to do, no matter what sacrifice God asked us to do. All he wants is our obedience. He is the rewarder of the obedient. And when we begin to think about this, when Lord, the Lord declared that, you see, I believe that when a particular behavior is adopted by three successive generations, according to the Bible, that their behavior is almost uh, secure or definitely going to happen in some part of their next generation and the next generation and the next generation. I know whenever I gave my life to the Lord and I was running my businesses at 21, and then at 23, I accepted the call to preach. Well, being in the Nazarene church, you know, you had to have a degree before you could be a pastor or minister. So I went up to Columbus, uh, north of Columbus to Mount Vernon, Ohio, to Mount Vernon Nazarene University, a sister college of Asbury, uh, to study. <clears throat> and, and as I did that, um, oh, shoot, why was I telling you that? Oh, my, one of my theological professors teaches Old Testament, New Testament, and he was the son of the president at that time of the college, or who used to be the president. And he said, I want you all to understand the significance of why we're studying the Old Testament. And he said, I want you to realize that it's rare that any third generation has what the first generation has, right? He said, the first generation digs it out and has an experience with God. The second generation witnesses it, watches it, sees it, even shares in it to an extent. But the third generation wasn't that close to the pain that it took to dig it out. They, they didn't see the suffering. They didn't see the trials. They, didn't, they just saw the goodness of it. And then the third generation has to make a decision. Am I going to dig back in to get what my forefathers had to establish what God wants to establish in my life? So it's rare that denominations and other things are, well, they exist, but it's rare that any church movement or any business or anything makes it through three total generations. And if they do, it's usually really watered down or maybe takes a different spin. He said, I just said that because you guys at that time, I'm old, you're the third generation Nazarene. Hmm. Now at that time, they went by 30 years, I think. And it put a weight on me, and I thought about that. And now I look at it in Scripture, and I think about family, and I think about this church, how, you know, we're first generation. Pastor Steph and I, it hadn't been easy. It's never easy when it's good if you're fourth generation. There's things we dug out. There's sons, things our sons had to see us walk through. There's things you, spiritual sons and daughters, had to see us walk through. And the things we've been through together on this journey. And we have second generation setting among us. And we have third generation crying in the back, which is good. I'm glad they're here. And third generation in the cooker coming. And third generation, it won't, it won't be long, they'll be here. And the key is, what will you and I do with it? Are we just going to leave a legacy? Or are we going to leave an unforgettable legacy? Are you going to become a legend for God? That what you believe in, what you, it doesn't mean they'll be just like you, but they'll have the core, basic, 
calling values and principles you hold, and they'll take it to their children and their children's children. That's legendary. Somebody say, that's legendary. So when we see a behavior continue in the future generations, that's legacy. But when you see it continue and then continue to never be forgotten, that's legendary legacy. We're going for a legendary legacy. Say 2024. I have an invitation, right? I have an invitation to do what? I have an invitation to, in, uh, to expand, to experience a supernatural lifestyle. That what establishes, what establishes it? First, you got to accept the invitation, as Elder Mark said. Second, you got to be willing to expand. Growth is not always easy. Sometimes growth is painful, but you're glad you did it when you did it. Amen? And what's that mean? To experience. At that point, you'll go into a lifestyle that's not of yourself, of this world, but you're touched by God. And when you're touched by God, even beyond, like David, a man that you would have thought would have been in hell, but instead he was a man after God's own heart. And all the great things he did, we also read that he was an adulterer and a murderer, and God forgave him because he had a repentant heart. And God's vision is without repentance. No matter where you've been, no matter where you are, no matter where you end up, you can always come home. You can always come home. So don't discount yourself and say you're not worthy. Don't discount yourself. I don't know if anybody ever came out of our hometown that grew, has a church or a ministry this size. And it, size, you know, in ministry really doesn't matter much anyway. It's about health and anointing. But who would have thought this little party guy you know, this little guy that should have been dead multiple times now is impacting a city and a region and other states and going to California and preaching and going overseas. Who would ever thought? And I'm just a small fish in the water when you look at the ministers of the world and legacy. But who would ever thought God would attach me to the Pentecostal great R.W. Schambach, the great prophet and, 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 and writer and author and missionary uh, Lester Summerall. Who would ever thought I'd be attached to people like that? That T.D. Jakes knows my name. I took care of him for a week. I mean, I know these people. I got them in my phone if I need to call them. Who would ever thought a little guy from Eastern Kentucky, population 600, would have any impact at all? I'm telling you, but God, and God is true to his word. And it makes me think about fervent prayer. Man, fervent prayer gets stuff done. My granny prayed fervent prayers. My dad had to pray fervent prayers, and I know my mom continued to do so. Can somebody say amen? amen. Say legendary. legendary. Legacy, Legacy is mine, mine. Now. now. Hallelujah. Give, a, give God a shout of praise, somebody. <laughs> I'm just setting you up for, for this series. Over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be ministering deep in this. <clears throat> We've also talked about uh, spiritual children. So it's not only about your natural children. Legacy, what, is anything we cannot finish in our own lifetime that we must prepare and encourage others to complete. A basic legacy is anything I'm doing that I want to carry on, that I can't complete, that I want my next generation or generations to carry on. I think of Timothy, right, in, in 2 Timothy 1.5 in the message translation, when Paul's speaking over him, he said, that precious memory triggers another, our honest faith, your honest faith, and what a rich faith it is handed down from your grandmother Lois to your mother Eunice and now to you, three generations. Paul was attracted to Timothy and, and brought him as a protege, right? Why? He saw the anointing that was in him, placed in him from his grandmother and his mother. What if his mother didn't hold the same heart? God would have found a way anyway. But I want you to realize you can be a second, a third generation legendary legacy if you'll just trust God. Now, legacy is what? Anything we can't finish in our lifetime that we must prepare and encourage the next generation to do. Our legacy is what God commissioned us and prepared us to do and to pass it on to generations. You've heard me minister about the heart of the Father, Abba, Daddy. You've heard me talk about that relationship in the natural and in the spiritual. I'm going to get into it more over the coming weeks and even a little bit today. 
And the reason is we have father issues. This is a fatherless nation. It's a nation that you know whether people don't know their father or their father was, wasn't in the family or it might have been better off if their father hadn't been in the family through the addiction, abuse, whatever it might be. And we see the father pains. I know I always tried to prove myself to men and prove myself when I was, I always partied a lot of times with older people. I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to, when I played sports, I was all, whatever the coach wanted, I did it. I wanted to prove, I wanted approval. And, and, and I did it in business. I did it in my career. I even did it the first 20 years of ministry, trying to get approval from God. But then I read in First John 3, he first loved me. It took the pressure off. I want you to realize, I'm not giving you this series to put pressure on you. I'm getting this to to release the pressure out of you that's going to impact generations. So we see the importance in the natural, and I'll say father, but it's also father and mother. Steph and I, we are the parents, the spiritual parents of this house and this ministry. We have spiritual sons and daughters that are all over this country and some in other nations. That, that don't attend you, but they know and we know there are spiritual sons and daughters, and many of you are, but what I want you to do now is get a revelation. It's got to go deeper from she and I having spiritual sons and daughters. We need to be spiritual grandparents. Many of you need to establish spiritual sons and daughters. Can anybody say amen? <clears throat> so let me talk about that, and then I'm going to pray, because there's some things after church that's going on that we got to do. It's good stuff, but I don't want to hold you too long and hold them too long. So we see the importance of a spiritual son, a spiritual daughter, and that is basically Christian people. A spiritual son or daughter in ministry is someone who has an affinity and a passion to continue their their spiritual parent's heart. So they have an affinity, an affinity, a, a passion to fulfill what their spiritual parents have in their heart. Now, I know with me, miracles, signs, and wonders, and loving people, and gracing people. Man, I got that from R.W. Shambach. It'll always be, that's a heart I want to do. I got, man, that missionary, apostolic, go for it, deliverance ministry from Dr. Lester Summerall. And other men in my life, and even women in my life, have great, and I don't have time to go through all of them, but I can tell when I'm ministering or I'm in a situation and their anointing comes on me. Well, that's weird. Well, then you don't read the Bible. What about Elisha? He, he wanted double what Elijah had. Elijah, it was documented, 16 major creative miracles. Elisha got that. It's documented 32 major creative miracles he performed, but here's where he lacked. Elisha obeyed God and chose, Elijah obeyed God and chose Elisha. Elisha was faithful in everything except the one serving him. I still don't know if it's his fault or Gehaziel's fault. But his Elisha under him, remember Gehaziel? Whenever he, uh, Elijah healed the, the, the king and the prophet Nahum, right? And he, went, and he healed him of uh, leprosy. And he went and dipped seven times in the river and all that. Gehaziel went out to meet him to get a bribe or to get money out of him because Elisha said, tell him I don't want anything. And he's like, let me give you a country. Let me give you whatever you want. And, and he was upset. And, and Elisha, Elijah said, no, that, I don't want anything. He rides off. Gehaziel slips out of the house, goes up, grabs him. He said, wait a minute. Yeah, my, 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 I'm the servant of the man of God. He, he did say he would like to have this or this, getting money for himself. And what happened, Gehazel had a difficult life forever, and we hear him pop up in the Bible later, I don't have time to get into it, giving testimony to a king about Elijah for the widow that Elijah raised her child from the dead because she needed her property back. The power of multiple generational blessing, it's an invitation. Will you accept it or not? You see, Gehazel didn't accept the invitation, but Elisha would not leave the side of Elijah would not leave the side of Elijah. He was bought. He had the heart. He had the fight. He had the faith, even a greater faith than his forefather Elijah did. But the problem was he did not impart the next generation to bring the impact, and there's where his lineage stopped. You could turn the world upside down and not be legendary. You might have a legacy, a few chapters. Paul's legendary. 
He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Mark, Peter, John, Matthew, legendary. James, legendary. Timothy, legendary. Priscilla, Aquila, legendary. Hannah, legendary. But see, it takes a two-sided coin, number one. It takes someone, see, you say, well, who, who are my spiritual parents? Well, you know, you could have multiple people that impact you through a fa- spiritual father and mother position, but it's a two-way street. A lot of people say, I want you to be, I have pastors flying, I want you to be my spiritual father. Oh, well, we'll see how it goes. They're surprised I don't just say, yes, I'll do that. You know, you got a pretty good ministry. I can come preach three, three times a year, get big offerings. And I said, well, we'll pray about it. But I said, I always tell them, it's a two-way street. Fathers don't go look for sons and daughters. Sons and daughters come and look for spiritual parents. And it takes a heart connected, knitted together by God. And when God knits your heart together with someone, you'll start having passion for what they have passion for. Not everything, but a core of that passion. And use it for your own markings. Let me read a couple of scriptures and we're going to pray. <clears throat> so, Without a spiritual, le- without spiritual legacy or min- the ministry of legacy, there will never be multi-generational blessing. And here's the key in the natural, but also in the supernatural. Malachi 4, 6, the last chapter in the New Testament before we didn't hear from God for what, 400 years or 200, whatever it was. Used to know it like crazy, but something like that before we had Matthew's gospel. But Malachi 4, 6 says, and he will turn, talking about God, will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Talking about in this time, coming into the new covenant testament, when it happens, he said he will turn what? The hearts of the fathers to the children and children to the fathers. Luke 117 says, he will go out, he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. You'd think he would have said Elisha, wouldn't you? Because he was after Elijah. He would go to the spirit and power of Elijah, what? To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. God has given you and I the anointing, the faith, the ability to go forth and make disciples as Psalm twenty-two thirty-one says that are not yet born. So I want you to expand your vision. Your children, your natural blood children, they're not your only ones for your legacy. A big part of your legacy are those you disciple because if you truly disciple someone, they will look at you as an elder or a spiritual parent. Now, that doesn't mean that you walk in that anointing to do everything. It's a five-fold ministry gift. But if they do, you need to be connected with a man or woman of God in the five-fold ministry so you don't deplete them of what they need as well. Let me go back to this before I pray. We just heard that quote about Elijah in Luke's gospel. Didn't say Elisha. But I'm gonna show you the power of generations. Remember in the Bible when it said that, you know, they had hid, they had put Elisha in a cave, which is like a tomb, but a cave, and there lie his bones. That was his grave, and it was covered up. They said whenever the soldiers of Israel were killed, the enemy opened the cave to get rid of the body, and they threw the bodies into the cave when those dead carcasses hit the bones of Elisha. The multi-generational anointing on him was still resident and it resurrected an army from the dead. Don't underestimate your power. Don't underestimate your calling. Don't underestimate your purpose. Don't underestimate the plan of God. Don't underestimate your giftings, your talent. Your You haven't even discovered. You can be 80 years old and you haven't discovered one-tenth of what God wants for you. That's okay as long as you're still trying to discover Say, this is my time to establish a legendary legacy, a generational legacy, generational faith with generational blessings in Jesus' name. Now, I want to pray, but before I do, what God told Steph and I coming into this building, we, um, 
You know, we moved here with Parker. He just turned one. Pierce hadn't been born yet. <clears throat> we rented the little bingo hall over there on Alexander Drive, the back storage area of a warehouse over there where I think at that time, Lord's Gym, some gym, Gold's Gym was in front. and You know, all the old stories that Daher's had there at the end before they went under. Had a midweek service with a group in evangelizing. Their windows got broke out with cinder blocks and got robbed while we were having church. It's fun. God bless us there. In nine months, we bought the building on Clay's Mill, moved in there. Y2K had our first service, 270 people after midnight dancing, praising God when people were eating their beanie wings and probably eating their leftover stuff they bought off TBN for a decade. God bless them. <clears throat> Could have been there with us to save money. Bigger offering. But then whenever we were adding on, we renovated that building two, two and a half years into it. We were, we were having a Wednesday night, Saturday night, two Sunday morning services, weren't we? Whew. I was young and dumb then. Poor staff. God bless you, baby. But then we had Bible school. Bible suit. Three classes on Sunday night, three on Monday night. I did two on Sunday night. Steph did one. I did one on Monday night, and at that time, our associate pastor, uh, who left years later to be a pastor, he, he did, uh, he and his wife did the other two. All that going on. We had to park, we had a choir of 60, then we'd have to use a van, we had a bus then, we'd have to go up and park them about a mile away at the Clays Mill Mall, didn't we, Mark, to get them, because we couldn't get everybody. We filled the parking lot and the streets, and we had to go, you know, shuttle people in. A lot of you here remember that. I stood up there on a Sunday, and then God convicted me and said, it's time. I said, time for what? Time to build. Okay. I said, go look for land. Well, in Lexington, you can't build a new church over 10,000 square feet. It's not legal. Churches have tried it, sued, and lost. If God put it on my heart to sue and fight, I would, but he told me not to. He said, go look. So a realtor at the time of the church said, well, let's go knock on doors on Nicholasville Road. It's a bunch of tobacco. Can't sell tobacco now. Might get lucky. So we knocked on the door where the mall is, Brandon Crossing, where it's in. The old guy that owned it, rode us around, showed us 65 acres. I said, well, what kind of deal could we work? He said, it's easy, preacher. $6.5 million cashier check. I said, well, thank you. It's nice talking to you. Because <laughs> the backstory, we were finishing a second story addition in a parking lot on that little building we had over there, and all we had in the bank was like $28,000. Steph said, honey, you can't go find land and put some big deposit down. We got $28,000. We've got to finish this building. We're, you know, Okay, sweetheart. So we come to the guy over here that just inherited all this, and he had the land, and, and uh, he had signs across the street. Rode us around. Look, we're sitting over here looking over there. He said, well, let's go look at that now. I said, I want this land. Oh, this is not for sale. I said, well, that's below the road. I said, I'll go look at it. I went over there, railroad track going through it, a creek. It's a design. It costs you 100 times more to even to develop it, to build a building than this. Come back. I said, I really feel I want this one. He said, well, you come back and talk to me in a day or so. So we come back, the letter's in my office, and, and he said, what do you want to give me? He wanted $152,000. I said, $100,000 an acre. Oh, man, $150,000. I said, oh, it's okay. So he starts writing. He said, well, what, how you gonna, how you want this deal to work? I said, well, what I'd like to do is give you three. I just made a number up. In a year, give you $380,000. You hold the property. In a year, I'll give you $380,000, and then the land was $1.9 million. And I said, we'll give you $380,000 in a year. And he's writing. And I said, uh, and by the way, I want all 52 acres or 53, whatever it was. And I said, we'll buy the 19 in the front. You'll carry the loan and we'll pay the loan and interest so much a month. And every year you'll raise it, you know, a couple thousand dollars. At the end of three years, we'll cash you out and we'll start on the next one. And then by the sixth year, the seventh year, we're going to start on the final. He's writing all that down. Well, I don't really want to sell it, but I... I guess that'd work. He said, so how are you going to pay for it? I said, I told you, I'm going to give you three hundred sixty or $80,000 a year. Well, how are you going to hold my property, preacher? I'm selling property. I can't hold millions of dollars of acre. That's $50 million. I mean, $5 million you want me to hold back 25 years ago or whatever, 23. That's $5 million you want me to hold. And, and, and for what? I'm thinking, I said, how about $10,000? He laughed. $10,000? I don't even cover the taxes on the land. I said, here's all I can do. I'll be honest with you, $25,000. He huffed and puffed at the conviction of God's on. He said, okay, I guess. 
I go back, baby, we got this land. It's tied up. Oh, that's good. What's it cost? Ah, just 1.9 million. And then we got this. Okay, honey, we're over here trying to get the drywall done. What else? I said, well, what did it? She is a realtor, so, and close. So, so what's the deposit? I said, well, first, you know, we got to raise $360,000. Well, how long we got to do that? I said, 12 months. Okay. Now, what, what kind of deposit? I said, well, just $25,000 a year. What? At least $3,000 in the bank. But she knew I was crazy, and she trusted it, and God convicted her, and we did it. And believe it or not, within a year, we had the money, and more than enough money, around $400,000 to pay down on the land. And, but I said all that to say this, and I promise we're going to pray. I was standing on Sunday morning announcing to the church that we were buying the land, and many of you were there. Mark, remember this. And the Holy Spirit hit me and said, Tell him now this. And I started telling him before I realized what he totally said, to be honest with you. He said, for this point, we were about three years old at that time, three and a half. He said, at this point, where you are today as a church happened on mine and Seth's faith. But the next one requires, the next phase requires everyone's faith and even those yet not born that's got to come. Tear pin drop. So, you're sitting here today because some crazy guy with a loving wife that probably felt sorry for me agreed to go into $7.8 million debt and give over a million dollars away to the bank to get $7.8 million of debt. But God. Because he said, from this spot, you will touch the world. So I don't look at the first or second generation touching the world. I'm not limiting God. I can be like Abraham, right? I'm just looking at from this spot, there'll be people born here and not yet born with them and us and our faith and our anointing that we will touch the world for God because God said so and we're crazy enough to stand on the promise and speak it into existence and walk it out. Can anybody walk that out with me? And God said, here's your purpose. I said, what, Lord? You told us to build a church of Gentiles. We're doing it. Bring the anointing, Lex, and we're doing it. He said, here's the next phase. I said, what's that? He said, this is forever. I said, what's that? He said, you are to build a generation of faith that lives debt-free, that everything that comes into that house goes into the kingdom for ministry and pay no interest to no man. Well, Lord, that's real good, but you know, I just signed a contract for $7.8 million. <laughs> and we're not, we were three and a half years old at the time. God bless the bank for trusting the Lord. God bless them. What do we have to stand for $7.8 million? But God. I mean, it's crazy. This, this shouldn't be here. There's no way this should be here. But it is. And it made a place for you. People here and others before you believed for the land. They believed, they, they prayed, they sowed seed. There's names under this carpet where we came in before the carpet. Many of you wrote names of family members that are now saved that we were believing for to be saved and everything else. But God said the next phase, and I, I, I told our pastoral care team last week, I said for months, over six months, God's been saying, it's time, it's time, it's time. And I'm going to tell you what's time for, but not this week. I'll tell you next week. <laughs> but I get cold chills thinking about what it is. Let's stand. We're going to pray. <laughs> Give Jesus a shout of praise, somebody. Come on. Give Jesus a shout of praise. Give Jesus a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You're in here today or you're online. You say, I want to come home far away from God, you don't even know if you'd make it to heaven if you took your last breath today. Or maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you've been hurt. You've been broken. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is promised to no one. I'm going to count to three and ask you. People every week come to Christ. We have a prayer team that will get with you, but you're just right where you're at. We're going to pray. On count three, if you say, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, or I want to rededicate, I want to come home to Him, I want you to raise your hand, and I'm going to pray right now where we are. 
that you can make that promise true and then we'll go on with service. This is the most important part of the service. So if you're ready to rededicate your life or give your life to Christ for the first time on a count of three, raise your hand right now. One, two, three. Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Thank you for those two hands back there, ma'am, these two ladies. They've already done the hard part. Thank you. There's two there, three there. Anyone else? These three ladies have already raised their hand. You want to pray. In 10 seconds, we're going to pray. How about it? Keep it up so I can see you. Three people. Anybody over here? Okay. Give God a shout for these three ladies that's given their life to Christ this morning. Come on. Give God a, give them a shout. I want, I want all of us to pray this prayer with them. And you three ladies, please pray this as well. And you know what? If you didn't raise your hand, pray it anyway. You want to get saved, you can still get saved. But you got to tell somebody it happened. Amen? Say this to me. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus rose from the dead. He's the Son of God. His blood atones my sin. Father, I repent of sin. I ask Jesus Christ to live in my heart, to be my Lord and Savior. I thank you. I'm blood bought. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Give God a shout for all of those right now. Come on, give God a shout. Hallelujah. Right now, I, I, I just want to pray for all of you. and We'll be getting with those three. And if there's more that needs prayer, they'll be going back to the prayer room. If you need the other kind of prayer, you go with them. But before that, I just want to pray right now over you. The, the protection of God to not allow the enemy to steal your faith in your heart for what God put in you for generations. That you never let hold of your legacy and definitely your legendary legacy. And that whatever you're believing for this year, it's a year of expansion. It's an invitation to expand. Supernatural lifestyle, lifestyle doesn't mean you have to be a few, afraid of finances or afraid of sickness, afraid of breakups, hurts, or wounds, or addiction. Supernatural lifestyle means you're going to move out of the natural into the super anointing of God to walk through whatever fire or valley you got to walk through because through is important. And if God's with you, he's not leaving you behind. So I'm going to pray that prayer over you right now. Father, I just thank you for everyone today, where they need healed, delivered, set free, saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, whatever it is, Lord. I thank you right now as you just continue every service to impart supernatural lifestyle, your anointing, living inside us, able to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. We thank you for your glory, your manifested presence in this room and online with those watching right now. We thank you that it manifests in every area of our life. We thank you that Christ in us is the hope of your glory, your presence, your power, your anointing. I thank you, God, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. They are the head and not the tail. They are above and not beneath. They shall be lenders and no longer borrows in their lifetime and even in the next year or so. I'm believing that everyone on this property in the next three years is living debt-free and living a kingdom lifestyle for God in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.